Good afternoon. It is a sunny day here in Wilmington, North Carolina, and thank you for listening to Third Gear, a Formula One podcast. I'm Katie Egan, a marketing major with a passion for Formula One, and on today's episode, we will be discussing the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix and a Q&A that I posted on my Instagram story, as well as setting up for Australia this weekend. I want to go ahead and apologize, guys, for not posting last week. I did get kind of sick, and I didn't think anyone wanted to hear my sick voice in the podcast. We had a little bit of a gap week last week, but we're going to make up for it with today's episode, and I will be back to posting every Thursday after this week. I also would like to encourage all of you guys to interact with the podcast, um, especially if you're listening on Spotify. If you tap on any episode, there's a comment question section that you guys can upload your concerns, your comments, your... You can compliment the podcast, you can give me constructive criticism, you can ask questions, you can ask for topics I can cover. Literally anything, it really helps to know what you guys want to hear, if you're liking certain things, if you're not liking certain things. It's super helpful for me, I want to branch out my audience and I want to make sure that I am appealing to my audience so any information you guys can give me would be so fantastic i also encourage all of you guys to check out my social medias they're all linked in the podcast description and yeah let's go ahead and start talking about saudi arabia so what would have been last week what was actually two weekends ago now was the second race of the season in saudi arabia at the Jeddah grand prix uh it followed our regular standard practice session format Um, So, in the last episode, I talked about my predictions for this week's weekend, and my predictions for qualifying had Sergio Perez on pole, Max Verstappen in second, and Carlos Sainz in third. Then I said that the finishing order for the race would be Sergio Perez, Fernando Alonso, and then Charles Leclerc, with the fastest lap going to Lance Stroll. I didn't even have Max Verstappen on the podium, apparently. I don't know. I mean... If I'm being so honest with my predictions, I could easily predict Perez, Verstappen, and Alonso in some sort of order, and I would have, like, probably a 90% chance of getting it right. So I do try and throw in some other names just for more interest, you know? Can't be right all the time, so... But that was my prediction for the race this weekend, but let's go ahead and before we start talking about qualifying results or the race results, let's talk about practice. In practice session one, Max Verstappen was in first with Sergio Perez in second and Fernando Alonso in third. We're starting to notice a trend between these top three and nothing crazy happened. I mean, the drivers were getting used to the Saudi Arabian heat. Ferrari was testing out their new power units and engines, which Charles Leclerc received a 10th place grid penalty for, and the Red Bulls were demonstrating their speed. Max and Checo were just taking turns setting the fastest lap the entire session. Practice two, also nothing crazy off. Verstappen set the fastest time again with Fernando Alonso in second and then Sergio Perez in third this time. We saw Max continue to dominate the field and set another fastest time in this session and the track conditions were more accurate to what we can expect on the race on Sunday so it gave the drivers a little better practice for that. We also saw Alpine did pretty well in the second practice session. Uh, Pierre Gasly finished sixth and Alcon finished in fourth. And Leclerc complained a little bit about his new engine late into the practice session, but he was able to finish with the ninth fastest time. And then for the last practice session, Max Verstappen once again set the fastest time, finishing ahead of Perez and then Alonso. Um, Both drivers finished within a second of Max Verstappen. But once again, we have these three up on the top spots. We also saw DeVries miss his final practice session because he had an issue with his car that kept him in the garage. Now let's move on to where things started getting a little bit more interesting. 
qualifying. In Q1, we had a few drivers struggling to get their car under control in the hot weather. We saw DeVries spin, potentially due to missing last practice session and taking in his new power unit, might be getting used to some things. Lando Norris clipped a corner and began complaining about an issue with steering. Uh, We had Alonzo had a bit of a spin during the first round of elimination, and Logan Sargent also very narrowly missed the barriers when he lost control of his car. He reported a little bit of damage, and he was forced to abort his attempt at a fast lap. This left the bottom five as Logan Sargent in 20th. He didn't set a time with times being deleted and then the incident where he spun out. Uh, Lena Norris in 19th, DeVries in 18th, Alex Albon in 17th, and Yuki Tsunoda in 16th. Q2 was instantly more dramatic as shortly after the first push lap, Verstappen began reporting an issue with the engine and after pulling into the garage, there was not much the mechanics could do within the time schedule and he had to settle for 15th. The drivers eliminated in Q2 included not only Verstappen, who would be starting the race from 15th, but Valtteri Bottas in 14th, Kevin Magnussen in 13th, Zhou Guanyu in 12th, and Hulkenberg in 11th. Then the final round of qualifying had all the drivers finishing without any major incidents, although the confined track in Jeddah means there are a lot of close calls when the cars are passing each other on flying laps, which we saw quite a few times. Everyone was able to complete their laps without any major collisions or spinning. The top 10 starting order had Sergio Perez starting the race from pole, Charles Leclerc setting the second fastest time, Fernando Alonso in third, George Russell in fourth, Carlos Sainz in fifth, Lance Stroll in sixth, Esteban Alcon in seventh, Lewis Hamilton in eighth, Oscar Piastri in ninth, and Pierre Gasly in tenth. Charles Leclerc did have to take a 10-place grid penalty for his engine change, which made him start the race from 12th. And now into the race. During this week's race, I went ahead and actually took notes during the race, which is not something I have typically done. I've usually just kind of gone off the top of my head, researched some reports, rewatched the highlights, things like that. But for Saudi Arabia, I took notes during. Right off the bat, I started writing about how Russell's brakes were smoking prior to the lights going out at the start. And then I have Fernando Alonso takes Perez in the opening corner. Yeah, Fernando. And then immediately after that, no, Fernando. Alonso is noted for incorrect starting position. (laughs) Then I just kind of took notes on when people pitted, things like that. Max Verstappen gained four places within the first five laps, stuff like that. Just, Just took a few notes, which I rearranged and ordered for the race. And let's go over it. Yeah, the race start had Fernando Alonso passing Sergio Perez into the first corner, but shortly after his overtake, he was under investigation for incorrect starting position. He was given a five-second penalty, which he served in his pit stop under the safety car that occurred later in the race. Piastri took some damage on the opening lap to his front wing, which ended up actually flying back and getting caught in his teammate Lando Norris's front wing, meaning both drivers had to pit and replace their front wing, which meant another rough start from McLaren for this year. Max Verstappen, starting from 15th, made up five positions within the opening lap, while Charles Leclerc, who started from 12th, made up three positions. Perez also took first place back from the Aston Martin driver on lap four and then started taking off and making a greater gap between those two first and second positions. Hamilton received a black and white flag for weaving on the straight just prior to the start of the soft tire pinning window. Ferrari executed a dummy stop calling signs into box but forced Stroll to come in early on lap 14 which was then followed by Gasly on 15, signs on 16, Leclerc on 17. Um, This is actually a really well executed pit stop strategy from Ferrari, something we haven't seen in a while from them. However, it didn't end up actually working out for them as the safety car allowed many drivers to get a cheaper pit stop later on in the race, but solid strategy from Ferrari, and that could have paid off in maybe a different situation. Jetta has a 100% chance of safety car statistics. There's never not been one there. You know, it was just unfortunate for them, but 
solid strategy, which maybe shows improvement in the team. The safety car was caused by Lance Stroll's Aston Martin, and he was being asked to stop at the car by the team, and the reasoning was unclear during the race, but later Aston Martin tweeted that it was due to a reduction in energy recovery. We saw majority of the drivers pit under the safety car. Verstappen continues to make up some places afterwards, and the fastest lap continued to switch between Verstappen and Perez about halfway through the race and till the end. By lap 24, Max Verstappen had moved into third, then shortly after passed Fernando Alonso to take second by lap 25. By this point, the order is almost matched with Red Bull 1-2, Alonso, Mercedes, both Mercedes drivers, both Ferrari drivers, both Alpine drivers, Yuki Tsunoda, both Haas drivers, both Williams drivers, Joe Yu, Nick DeVries, both McLaren drivers, and then Botas. Um, unfortunately, Alex Albon retired on lap 27 after complaining about a brake failure, but he was able to limp his car back into the pits so that he could be wheeled into the garage. Towards the end of the race, we started hearing Max Verstappen complaining on the radio about the drive shaft, which is what started causing him issues the day before during qualifying. And then, again, as we're nearing the end of the race, we learn that Alonso will be investigated after the race for serving his original five-second penalty incorrectly. On the last lap, Verstappen steals that extra point for fastest lap from Perez to ensure his lead in the championship. If Perez was to win the race and have the fastest lap, he would have actually been leading the championship. Max managed to steal that away on the last lap and is now leading the championship by one point over his teammate. And the finishing order for the race had Sergio Perez in first, Max Verstappen in second, Fernando Alonso in third, right after the race finished. George Russell in fourth, Lewis Hamilton in fifth, Carlos Sainz sixth, Charles Leclerc seventh, Esteban Ocon in eighth, Pierre Gasly in ninth, and Kevin Magnussen rounding out the points positions for tenth. For the rest of the field, we had 11th Sonoda, 12th Hulkenberg, 13th Gwen Yu, 14th DeVries, 15th Piastri, 16th Sargent, 17th Norris, and Bottas in 18th, with Alexander Albon and Lance Stroll both retired. After the race and after the podium, Fernando Alonso was given an extra penalty for serving his original penalty incorrectly because his rear jack mechanic touched the car prior to the five seconds being served, and his podium was taken away and given to George Russell. Then, after later discussion, and I'm sure many angry discussions with Aston Martin, the podium was reinstated only a few hours later, so Fernando Alonso got his 100th podium officially in his racing career, and the final finishing order had Perez, Verstappen, and then third for Fernando Alonso. Okay, well, that was the race. My predictions were obviously wrong, but I'm not trying to be 100% right all the time, because honestly, I think it'd kind of be kind of easy. <laughs> There's only three choices at the current moment that we've seen. That was fun, Saudi Arabia. It's not really my favorite race of the season. Honestly, actually, Jeddah is my least favorite race of the season. Although it's only been around for three years now, it is it is not my favorite. I'll be honest. I don't like it. But we move on. Australia is coming up, and I love Australia. So before we talk about Australia, I posted a Q&A session on my Instagram story and encouraged any of my listeners or friends, family, to leave behind questions for me that I could answer or go through on the podcast, as well as comments and fun little things as well. So let's go ahead and go through those and I'll answer. I'm going to go ahead and leave them anonymous, but I'll know who asked them. And I thank you guys so much for participating and giving me content to work for. You guys are really what make the podcast. So thank you so much. Uh, my first question was, what is the end goal with the podcast? So 
so I just want to start by kind of talking about why I made it. I took the most amazing class in my university last semester where my professor had all of us write our dream job on a piece of paper and then made the class sit in a circle and pass the paper around writing down different ideas for how we can all achieve that dream career. And I have my paper with me. I have will never throw it away. I think I'll probably frame it one day if it helps me get to my dream job. But on my paper, I wrote sports broadcaster for Formula One. <laughs> Okay, and so I wrote, I'm going to do marketing to be an admin, PR manager, broadcaster, presenter, or content creator for Formula One. And on the back, I have over 20 different things for pe that people gave me. Some of my classmates left amazing advice, including some of my favorites and helpful ones were start a YouTube channel, um, network with Formula One officials, take marketing classes, go watch it live, befriend or date someone in the industry, take public speaking, watch the movie Cars, understand the industry, etc. Some of the advice included starting a YouTube channel or a podcast, some way to promote it and practice for hopefully presenting in the future. I ended up taking their advice and I started third gear. It was for fun in the beginning. I was looking to connect my passions and interests with other fans of the sport, but I also started it to try and create content that could eventually get me noticed in order to pursue the career of my dreams, which is working as a presenter for Formula One. So I guess my end goal is to hopefully work my way into the industry professionally, be able to go to races, interview drivers, engineers, teams, and just yeah, be a part of it all, honestly. The next question I had was if you could interview a current driver, who would you interview and why? So of all the current 2023 drivers, I would really love to interview Valtteri Bottas or Lewis Hamilton. If you'd asked me a year ago, I would have absolutely said Sebastian Vettel, no hesitation, but both Hamilton and Bottas are like seasoned drivers that I honestly really look up to, and I have a lot of interest in learning more about them, not only from a racing perspective, but on a more personal level. Valtteri specifically, I think would be really amazing to talk to because of his history and Mercedes, which is such a dominant team, but he was typically overlooked because he was the second driver. Um, I would love to ask him about his experiences with them and with other teams in the past, and also I think that he's a very interesting guy. His time in Australia over the breaks, his hobbies of cycling, and even his new look of the mullet with the mustache, like he just seems like a very interesting guy that I would love to get to know and interview, and I, I think he has a great personality for it. The next one says, are Ferrari doomed to be remained in the realm of so close yet so far? And honestly, it's really hard to say. Like, just when you think that they're pulling their way out of their own hole, they typically do something that makes them fall right back into it again. I can't help but hope that they start achieving and competing well in races again. Everybody loves Ferrari. I mean, come on, everybody's a Ferrari fan. And they have two very competitive, talented drivers that are both capable of winning, but they're often screwed over by their own team more so than any of their competition. And while I wish them the best, I do think that they're doomed to remain in that realm a little bit longer um, until they're ready to admit that their biggest competition is themselves and they have to kind of like scrap everything and start from scratch, I think, to approach their racing. So for a little while, yeah, I think Ferrari might be doomed to remain in the realm of so close yet so far but I do hope they can figure it out soon. Next up, I have Haas is definitely going to win the Constructors title within the next 10 years. And as someone who is from North Carolina, which is, if you didn't know, the Haas headquarters is in North Carolina, I really hope this is true. <laughs> 
Um, 10 years is a long time and they continue to grow and improve every year. So who knows? Miracles can happen. Uh, the day we see a Haas Constructors title is the day I can die happy. I'll be honest. That would be, that would be fun. You know, we'll have to see. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. I'm not saying it's impossible. It'd be hard. It'd be real hard, but who's to say they won't? Could you maybe talk about something related to teams finding loopholes or interpretations of the rules? So I thought this was super fun. I did some research of times in the past where the rules were bent or cheated by teams. And let me tell you, people are creative. In 2010, Red Bull cheated the wing height requirement so that the front wing ran closer to the ground while out on the track than, than when it was in the pits. Basically, the FIA regulates how far the front wing can be off the ground and Red Bull bent this rule by creating a wing that when under the force of aerodynamics will run closer to the ground, but when in a pit lane, or under investigation to ensure the regulations are being followed, it will pass any exams. Another example in 2010 was the McLaren car essentially putting in DRS system prior to the creation of that tool. They essentially drilled a hole in the very front of the cockpit that would funnel air into the rear wing. In 1997, the McLaren cars also cheated another rule by installing a second brake for only the rear tires. These brakes were controlled by the drivers and it allowed them to brake just the back tires, which helped to turn down understeer and make sharper turns. That ended up being banned. Another instance in 2005, Renault installed weights in the front and the back of the car that were basically held up by these springs, meaning that the car could be weighed down and closer to the asphalt of the track, but it helped balance the car, they claimed. They also only got away with it because they named it as a movable aerodynamic piece, despite it having nothing to do with aerodynamics at all. In another instance, there are regulations of the size of the rear diffuser, and in 2009, Braun was able to cheat this regulation by, instead of following the requirement of the restricted width of the technology, they essentially cut it in half and stacked it on top of each other so that it was like a double-decker, almost, diffuser that still technically fit the technical requirement, despite it not being legal. They couldn't do anything until they changed the rules. Another instance of rules being broken is the regulation of car weight. Formula One has also been regulating car weight for a really long time, and in 1984, Tyrell was struggling to meet the minimum weight requirement, and their car was too light, so they responded by installing a brake cooling system, which involved filling large tanks of water in the car, and then throughout the race, they would just release the water to make the car lighter and subsequently faster. Now, the FIA requires weigh-ins prior to and after races to make sure too much weight is lost. Of course, weight will go down due to gas and other things, but that gas is also regulated to make sure that too little isn't being put in at the start of the race and too little is coming out in the end. There are FIA regulations in place for almost every single aspect of the cars. Their size, their weight, styles, certain technology pieces, literally everything. So teams are constantly finding ways to bend the rules, push the rules just a little bit. Those are some notable ones of loopholes and honestly just kind of straight up cheating in some cases that have been noted in the past. Uh, my next question is which drivers had to overcome a lot of setbacks, keep at it, and saw success? I think that this is kind of, uh, for a lot of drivers, I'm sure, obviously, there's drivers facing many different kinds of setbacks and obstacles throughout their racing careers, whether it be injuries, financial aspects, racial aspects, gender aspects, all that sort of stuff. 
But the first driver that comes to mind for me is Nicky Lauda. If you want to know more about his career, specifically the 1976 season, watch the movie Rush. It's all about Nicky Lauda and his rivalry with James Hunt, about the infamous crash and the infamous season that was shared between the two of them for that championship battle. Lauda worked his way into Formula One and suffered what should have been a career-ending injury, but then he got back into the car to complete the season while still being in recovery. His crash left him severely burned and and unable to sit by while his rival James Hunt began winning races, got back into the car as soon as he was dispatched from the hospital. I mean, insane. And then he went on to win another world championship later. Two more championships later. Yeah, absolutely watch Rush. It's a great movie. The next question is, what's the typical diet of a Formula One driver? And then asked by the same person, but kind of following up, how do Formula One drivers work out? So... A driver needs a sustainable amount of carbohydrates to give them the energy throughout the entirety of a race. However, maintaining the lightest weights possible is incredibly important. The lighter you are, the faster you are. So, drivers need to maintain a healthy, balanced diet with whole grain carbs that fulfill their needs and keep them healthy, but trying to avoid adding a few extra pounds. Working out is super similar. Drivers work on staying slim and lightweight rather than building large amounts of muscle, but they also have to keep their body strengthened enough to withstand the G-forces that they're under while driving. So this typically means drivers focus on areas like their necks and their core to withstand that amount of force. A lot of neck training, a lot of core training, holding their body still while they're under force. And a lot of drivers are active in other ways. They don't always go to the gym. They complete a lot of cardio training, including cycling and running. And some drivers participate in other sports to keep active. The other thing I wanted to go over super fast before we start talking about Australia is my bingo card. I think I crossed off a few others after the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, which include FI Mistake I crossed off because of the whole Fernando Alonso podium, George Russell's in third, but now he's in fourth again. It wasn't necessarily a full mistake, but it was a little bit of a fiasco. And I also crossed off Comeback Race for Max Verstappen's climb from 15th to 2nd. All right, let's go ahead and talk about Australia. Some special edition helmets have come out. Valtteri Bottas revealed his home away from home race helmet for the Australian Grand Prix this weekend. Ricky Caldea, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, is an Australian indigenous artist who uses artwork to link his cultural identity and bring attention to the disadvantages experienced by indigenous communities. After the race weekend, his helmet will be auctioned off to raise money for two different organizations, the Save the Children organization in helping with relief provided by the Maruna Kinder Project, and Quarry Academy Basketball, chosen by Ricky, an organization that works to support Aboriginal children inclusion in sports. Botas's teammate, Zhou Guan Yu, also released a special edition helmet for the race in Australia this weekend. The helmet is black and features a rainbow of colors, spelling out Melbourne along the back of his helmet. His usual Chinese artwork is still present on the top, but in matching colors to the rest of the lid, and the very back of the helmet features a kangaroo crossing sign. It's still pretty early, but we are waiting to see if any other drivers reveal helmets for the race. Obviously, I'm expecting one from Oscar Piastri, as it is his first home race in Formula 1, so we'll see if he reveals one in the next day or two. We also saw Daniel Ricciardo, who will be participating in his home Grand Prix as the reserve driver for Red Bull, show off a fun helmet for the weekend, which we hopefully may see him grace in the car. Moving on to the schedule, this race weekend will be held in standard format, with practice sessions 1 and 2 on Friday 
practice session three and qualifying on Saturday and the race on Sunday. If you're in Eastern Standard Time, like me, the race will take place over four days. Practice one will take place on Thursday at 9.30 p.m. Practice two on Friday at 1 a.m. Practice three on Friday at 9.30 p.m. Qualifying on Saturday at 1 a.m. And the race on Sunday at 1 a.m. And you best believe I will be up and watching right by then. Moving on to track statistics. The Albert Park Circuit held its first race in 1996, and the race will be 58 laps long, with a lap distance of 5.278 kilometers. The lap record was set by Charles Leclerc in 2022 at a 1.2026. Um, the track was resurfaced in 2022, so that should hopefully help with some of the bumpiness that's been commonly found at the races in the past. The circuit is temporary, and it makes use of the real street roads in Melbourne and some areas to arrange the track layout. Last year, we had Charles Leclerc win the race, with Sergio Perez in second and George Russell finishing the podium out in third. And this year's prediction, I'm going to have qualifying as Max Verstappen in first, second, Fernando Alonso, and third, Carlos Sainz. And the race is going to finish with Verstappen in first, Perez in second, and Alonso in third. Surprise, surprise. I mean, we've been seeing it all season so far. We are early into the season, so I can't say anything yet, but it has been a common trend. My dream race finish would be one of the Red Bull drivers, for some strange reason, can't compete in the race. Oh no! Daniel Ricciardo takes pole position and wins the race with the fastest lap, and then I don't care who finishes after that. The driver of the day, I think, is going to go to Perez, and the DHL fastest lap is going to go to Valtteri Bottas, because why not? Um, that's everything I have for today. I really thank you guys so much for listening. I am trying to work on some other content, too, for my other accounts on social media and YouTube, maybe, to help branch out a little bit, but I really appreciate all the love I've been getting on the podcast lately. It really, truly means so much to me that there are more people listening to it now than ever before. I think my last episode was one of my most listened to so far, and it really just warms my heart that people care. I started this thinking that my mom would be my only listener, so the fact that I'm getting any listeners at all is honestly means everything to me so I really can't thank you guys enough please feel free to reach out to me on any sort of social media or in the question and answer session on my Spotify episodes just tap on an episode and you'll see them there reach out in any way you can I love hearing from you guys and I love being able to have an influence on anyone at all thank you all so much for listening take care of yourselves and join me next week as we discuss what happened in Australia